Good morning, good morning. Am I on? All right. Good to see you. I'm so glad you're here this morning. My name is Don Earhart. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. The area that I oversee is birth to high school. And specifically, I love the high school age. My wife and I have been working with high schoolers for, for over 30 years, which means I am now 38 years old. And uh, we love the challenge of helping young men and women who, who have uh, been raised by their parents to, to know and to love Jesus. And then something happens in the adolescence years. Uh, something happens where their faith goes from something their parents have taught them to something that they own. And as you know, it's a challenging time. I love, I love the challenge of helping them to know and follow Jesus. I love being able to invest in them. We have an amazing team of adults who invest in our, in our young people. And, and then I love trying to help them to learn the talent, the gifts, the, the ability to live a life where they invest in others, helping them to know and follow Jesus, helping to invest in them. And, that, and so that's what we're passionate about, and that's where I spend most of my time and and it's good to be with you here again this morning. It's been a while since I've spoken, and uh, I'm, my palms are a little sweaty. You guys are scary from up here. <laughs> Several weeks ago, I found myself in an awkward position. It was 3.30 in the morning, and I was in my boxer shorts, a t-shirt, barefoot, out in, out in the street in front of our house talking to a policeman. And so let me give you the backstory. Uh, it was a really, really cold night about a month ago, and, and uh, I was was wrestling with things that are going on in our lives and I couldn't sleep. So at 3.30 I got up and uh, I came downstairs. It was dark outside obviously and it was dark inside and I just happened to walk by our front door and it has one of those little glass windows kind of high and and it's right about eye level. And I, I looked out and I saw this gentleman dressed in all dark clothes with a dark hoodie on a walk in our neighborhood. And I thought, that's interesting. Who goes on a walk at 3.30 in the morning by themselves on a cold night? And so I just kind of watched, and he was on the sidewalk across the street, and he, he followed around the cul-de-sac, and then he disappeared. And I thought, well, maybe he's going to the park behind the house over there. And then I just kind of looked, and then he reappeared. And then he came um, to our neighbor's house on the right, <clears throat> and that's when I saw him try to unlock or try to open the door of my neighbor's truck. And then, and I'm watching all this, and then uh, he comes and he walks in our driveway and he tries to open the doors of one of our cars that was in the driveway. And that's when something rose up within me. I'm not sure what it was, but I opened the door in my boxers and I yelled, hey, what are you doing? And he, thank God, (laughs) took off running down the street and about a half block there was a car that was running that I didn't see and I saw the brake lights come on this guy hopped in and they 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 took off that's the backstory now if you're out in the dark at night late at night and you want to hide something then the dark is something that you are happy to have you don't want anyone to see you it's something you welcome you don't want people to know you're there but let's say you're out in the dark and you're lost and you can't find your way. Or let's say back in Jesus' day when they didn't have electricity, you're out in the dark, in the dangerous night. Light, sunshine would be something that you pray for, you dream of, that you hope for. When things warm up, when they light up, when the danger seems to dissipate. Well, that's where we're going for, going this morning. We're going to talk about 
Darkness and Light in this series, The Light of the World. And this morning, I want to I start out with a, a serious question for you. I just want you to contemplate this for a minute. How is your posture toward God? Right now, how is your posture toward God? Are you facing God with your life or is your back facing God with your life? Are you doing everything you can to kind of turn your, yourself away from him, ignoring him, with your face going in a different direction from him? Or are you in a thankful posture, a posture where you can do everything you can to stay as close to him as possible, where your face and your hands are, are reached out in worship and in praise? Are you in darkness or are you in light? his light. That's what we're going to wrestle this morning. We bow your heads with me. Oh Lord, I need your help this morning as we, as we go this, this direction. God, I ask that, that you would use um, my feeble voice as an instrument in your hands. God, help us to see what it means to walk in the light. Amen. Well, this morning we're continuing, continuing our series, Light the world. This is week two, and uh, hopefully you were here last week. Um, but we are we are taking Christmas and we're giving it a little twist. If you know anything about the four Gospels, you'll know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll know that two of them actually uh, have the story of Jesus' birth that are that are embedded in them by the authors, and then two don't. Matthew and Luke mention Jesus' birth and all the things that are happening surrounding Jesus' birth, and then the books of Mark and the books of John don't mention Jesus' birth at all. If you are here last year, you know that Adam uh, talked through the beginning, John chapter 1, where John uh, sets up the, the scenario of where Jesus was before the world even began. And if you weren't here last week, then I encourage you to, to go online and to, to listen to his message. It was really good. I was sitting right over there and I thought, oh my gosh, I got to follow this. This is good. God help. When John wrote this book, the, the gospel of John, and, and the word gospel, don't let that be an intimidating word. It was for me, I know, in, in early years. It's just, it's just a proclamation of good news. That's what the word gospel means. So when I say the gospel of John, it's, it's John proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And when John wrote this book, the Gospel of John, he was most likely in his 80s, and he was possibly even 90 or 90 plus years old. He was the only living, original apostle of Jesus. All of the others had been martyred um, with these in cruel and atrocious ways for their faith in Jesus. And John's Gospel includes a large amount of of unique material that neither Matthew, Mark, or Luke provides. And I imagine that John, in his older age, realized, I've got to get this written down so that for years and years to come, we don't lose these accounts that the others didn't capture. And so with this in mind, this morning I want to take you to one of the unique stories that John gives us that's only found in this gospel. John reveals the light of the world in the context of Jesus speaking to a man named Nicodemus. We find it in, in John chapter 3. That's where we're going to start. And these are red letter words. Red letter words basically are the words that Jesus spoke. And so what we're going to hear this morning is, is Jesus actually speaking. Jesus using the terminology of the light of the world. 
And the, the, the verses will be on the screen if you don't have a hard Bible with you. Uh, so you can follow along there. Or we do have all, all of the, the notes uh, from, from this morning on the YouVersion Bible app under events. And there are two questions I want us to wrestle with this morning. And here they are. The first one is this. Why do we need the light? Why do we need the light? What's so big about the light? And the second question, which will come about as we read some of Jesus' words, is this. What does it mean? What does it mean to love darkness more than light? Why do we need the light? And what does it mean to love darkness more than the light? Let's get going in verse 1, John chapter 3. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And so Nicodemus, I'll call him Nick for the purpose of Christmas here. Um, Nick comes to Jesus and he says something interesting. He says, hey, we know that God sent you to teach us. Your miracles are proof of that. Now, if you know anything about the Pharisees, that should smell a little fishy to you, right? It's actually part of the reason and a big part of the reason that that Jesus was crucified is because the Pharisees did not believe that God had sent Jesus to teach them. And yet, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and his statement is, we know that God sent you to teach us. We know that. And so, Jesus has a response. In verse 3, let's, let's see what he has to say. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth, Nicodemus. Unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, Nicodemus explained. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Seems like he's, uh, he's getting a little feisty in his response there. Jesus replies, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and the spirit. Humans can introduce or can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, and just as you can hear the wind But you can't tell it where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Then Nicodemus asks, how how is this possible? And Jesus continues, you're a respected Jewish teacher and you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe when I tell you about heavenly things? And then he goes on, Nicodemus, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Oh, there's so much going on here. Let me, let me kind of just break it down. I love, I love taking scripture and breaking it into bullet points of what, what is being said. It helps me to, to kind of navigate through what is really being taught. 
So let's, let's look at some of these bullet points. Here's how Jesus responds to Nicodemus. He says, just as you know, there is wind, even though you can't see the wind, know that the Holy Spirit brings new birth to people, even though you can't see the Holy Spirit. Jesus continues, I assure you, Nicodemus, I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, but you don't believe our testimony. I think what Jesus is doing here is kind of playing on on Nicodemus' approach to Jesus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and said, hey, we know God sent you to teach us. And Jesus responds saying, we know what, we tell you what we have known and seen, but you don't believe our testimony. A little play on, on the word we. And Jesus goes on, if you don't believe when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe when I tell you about heavenly things? And so Jesus gives this clue that, hey, Nick, I don't buy what you're saying. I know you don't really believe this. I know you don't believe what you're saying. And so there's this, this interesting dialogue that goes between, on between them. I'm so thankful that Nicodemus had the boldness to come to Jesus and to have this discussion because we have this, we have this whole section of Scripture where we get some great truths. And if Nicodemus hadn't pushed through, we wouldn't have this. Jesus continues. He says, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned. He says, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. Who's the Son of Man? Well, if you remember from the book of Mark, where we just finished here a few weeks ago, the Son of Man is the Messiah. It's a reference to Jesus. You can go back to the book of Daniel and you can see the Old Testament prophetic reference. And, and, uh, and Nicodemus would have understood this clearly. And then Jesus says something that, again, Nicodemus would have understood as a Pharisee, as an Israelite. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And Jesus reminds Nicodemus of a time when God sent a plague of snakes into the Israelites' camp because of their impatience, their bickering, their complaining, and their whining. Nicodemus would have known this story well. And God directed Moses to make a serpent out of bronze and to put it on a pole and to lift it up high above the Israelite camp. And whoever looked at it would be healed of their snake bites. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, just like then, when you had to look up to this pole to be healed, there's a day that everyone who looks up at the Son of Man who will be lifted up Anyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And those two words, believes in, are a a unique statement that John alone uses over and over and over again. And it's it's more than just an acknowledgement of truth. It's it's to put your faith in. It's like having a chair here, and, and I might say, I believe in that chair, but until I sit in it, I haven't put my faith in that chair. And and there's this this faith aspect of these two words believes in that John is is trying to pull out here for Nicodemus and we're getting a hint now to the answer to the first question why do we need the light why do we need Jesus Jesus clearly tells Nicodemus that he came from heaven to earth that he was the Messiah the son of man and Jesus is saying to Nicodemus hey I really did come from heaven to earth to teach you about God. Let's continue in the text. 
verse 16. For this is how God loved the world, Nicodemus. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There's those two words, believes in again. Jesus is laying it out for Nick. Nick, God loves the world. That God makes his love for the world known by sending his one and only, his unique son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Talk about a gift. This is gift-giving season. But this gift is actually a gift from God to the world. So our first question, why do we need the light? Why do we need Jesus? From this text, I think, I think Jesus gives us really three big reasons why we need the light. Here they are. First one is we need to know that God loves us. It sounds so trite, so simple. God loves us. But it's so life-changing. It's so unique. We need to know that we're not a mistake that this world that we're in is not just something that accidentally happened, that evolved over time. We are in the plan of God. He knows each of us personally. Later on, we're told that in the book of John that he even has our hairs numbered, the number of hairs on our head, which is much simpler for some than it is for others. But he knows us and he loves us. That's point one. Point two, we need to know that God shows his love for us by giving Jesus, his one and only unique son. That he gives Jesus to the world and love out of necessity. True love is is something that, that gives. It looks out to others. Love that's inward focused is unhealthy love. And it's not the kind of love that demonstrates. And, and Jesus is telling Nicodemus, hey, God loves you, and the proof that God loves you is that he sent me to the world to save you. Number three, we need to know that everyone who believes, there's those two words, believes in Jesus, will not perish, but will have eternal life. Let's talk about that word eternal, those two words, eternal life, just for a second. I think a lot of times when we think eternal life, we get trapped into thinking we live forever. It's almost like give your life to Jesus so that you have life insurance and you don't burn in hell. But we forget what Jesus is teaching here, that life is much bigger than just living forever. As a matter of fact, later on in this book, in John chapter 17, Jesus is in the middle of a prayer and and part of his prayer is this. He's praying to God the Father and, and he says this, he says, Eternal life is knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ who you sent. Jesus actually gives a definition of eternal life and it's, it's in a knowing relationship, in a, in a relationship with God when eternal life comes into completion. Yes, it's living forever, but it's much bigger than that. It's about being in a relationship with God. It's different than just knowing about God. It's knowing God. We will not perish, but we will have eternal life. Most of us in this room have felt the sting of death, the sting of darkness. You can't help but in our world today. 
my grandfather took his own life when I was a very young boy, which resulted in me never growing up in a family that hunted or had guns anywhere near our house. I lost my little sister to cancer when she was in her freshman year of college. My friend Darren was killed by a drunk driver walking to my house in ninth grade, something that God used to to help me come to him. I've had to perform funerals for teens and for adults, and most of the time when I get asked to, to perform a funeral, it's because of some traumatic thing that's happened, and it's always hard to see these people who had their son or their daughter or their friend with them one moment and the next they're snatched away. It's heartbreaking. The emptiness that I see. Often as I look at young people, our teens, and we have lots of them that come in and out here every week, as I look in their eyes, I see this, just this emptiness, this darkness, this death of their dreams and hopes. And it's, it's puzzling. Ten years ago, ten years ago, this is an amazing statistic that just came out. Ten years ago, the average age of mental health issues in our country was 28 to 30 years old. Today, the average age of mental health issues in our country is 14 years old. Is that amazing? What's happened in 10 years? The darkness. The darkness is is pervasive. Even Jesus taught that as we near the end, that there would be an increase of wickedness and that the love of most would grow cold. Satan has come to steal, to kill us, to destroy us. That's what Jesus teaches later on in this book. But he says that Jesus came to give life and life to the full. Unmeasurable, unmeasurable life. That's Jesus' promise. Death wasn't God's desire for mankind, his creation. God's plan is for life, for light. And that life is in Jesus. This week I went to a prayer gathering at the Catholic Retreat Center just a mile down, down the hill. And um, it's the place where the, the atrocious murder and, and the other atrocious things happened. And as I walked into that, into that store, uh, there's just this emotion that, that kind of overcame me. It caught me by surprise. Um, there were those inside who, who were affected uh, by, by the murder uh, and, the, and by the other things that happened in there. People in our church people outside of our church who, who will be dealing with these issues for years and years to come. And as I sat in there, it, it, helped, it helped, helped me just to, to come face to face with, with the questions that so many of us ask. God, where are you? Are you really there? Is this true? What's going on? Are you good? What are you doing? Where are you? How did you let this happen? All of the questions that I know many of them we're wrestling with, with. Are you really for us? Are you really Lord of all? I watch many of our young people struggle in trusting their, their lives to God. They, they wrestle with it. I've seen my own children, my kids, as they've grown older, wrestle with, God, are you really there? Is this a crock or are you there? It was just a couple of years ago when in my own life a ridiculous bicycling injury has changed my physical abilities forever. It caused me to question whether God was really good. But, but today I proclaim to you, God is good. God is good. I have a greater passion now than ever 
to see that we recognize and know that God is for us, that what he offers to us is light, it's life, that the darkness all around us is not a result of him. It's a result of the evil one. Life resides for you and for me in the person of Jesus Christ. He has come to rescue us from destruction. He has come to rescue you from the darkness of this world. And you may not be able to see with your own physical eyes what's going on behind the scenes, what he is doing in the big picture. But let me assure you that God is for you. He is not against you. Jesus didn't come so that you could just know about God. He came to bring you life, life with God. Jesus, the light of the world, came to give us this life. And that's why we need the light of the world. I'm dead without Jesus. You're dead without Jesus. But I can confirm to you, thanks to Jesus, I'm very much alive. Jesus has lit up my world. And I want to tell everyone I meet about him. And I want you to see the world lit up in Jesus too. So don't lose heart, my friends. God is here with us. You are not alone. Do not lose hope. God has not abandoned us. He has not abandoned you. So how is your posture toward God? Let's look at the second question. What does it mean to love the darkness more than light? Where did that come from? Why did I even bring that up? Well, let's look at at verse 17 and following. Jesus, again, is continuing his, his discussion with Nicodemus, and he continues, and he says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, Nicodemus, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. He goes right to the heart of Nicodemus. And he goes on, and the judgment is based on this fact, Nick. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God Once. And the story ends in the discussion with Nicodemus. Now remember, Jesus' words were aimed at this Jewish religious leader who didn't come to Jesus in the middle of the day. He actually came to Jesus after the sun had gone down. He comes to Jesus in the the shadows of the night maybe under a torch or a campfire, but he worked his way to Jesus when it was dark. He didn't want others to see him. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, hey, Nicodemus, God sent his son in the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. Their actions were evil. And Nick, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed But those who do what is right come into the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. They come into the light of Jesus and they're not afraid for God to light up their life. 
So there are two sides of the coin. Jesus came to bring salvation, but the very fact of salvation for all who believe implies judgment on those who don't. The person who does not believe in Jesus is is condemned already, Jesus says. I love reading C.S. Lewis, and there's there's a a book in The Great Divorce, a quote that that I love in, in that book, and here's what he says. He says, in the end, there are only two kinds of people. The first are those who say to God, thy will be done, God, thy will be done. And the second in the end are those to whom God says, thy will be done. Why don't all people rush to Jesus? Some say it's because people don't understand. They just need more knowledge. If they only knew, they would come to Jesus. But Jesus says something different. He says the real reason people don't come to him, the light of the world, is because they love darkness more than they love the light. Remember last week in John 1? Here's here's what we learned. He, Jesus, came into the world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And just a few verses later, after the Nicodemus story, we find Jesus teaching this. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remain, remains under God's fiery judgment. Wow. So what does it mean to love the darkness more than the light? It simply means this, that we refuse to allow God to be our God. It means we choose not to put our faith in Jesus, that we reject his offer of salvation because we love our own darkness more than his light. Our decision to reject believing that Jesus is the light of the world brings his judgment upon us because he was sent as a gift to us. Jesus knew that we could never earn our way past our own sinfulness, our own darkness, the darkness of this world. And so Jesus laid it out very clearly. He says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. These are red letter words. This is Jesus speaking. The holy God come from heaven to earth who has lived in the presence of the Father, who was there when the world was created. The world was created through him and he is speaking truth. The God who cannot lie and will not lie is speaking truth. Jesus didn't come to judge you. He came to save you. What are you doing with his gift? What's your posture towards God? God has done his part to rescue you. What are you going to do with his gift? In St. Paul's Cathedral in London, there's a a artistic masterpiece that that hangs there that was painted by Holman Hunt. It's called The Light of the World. And it's a picture of a cottage that's run down. Bushes and briars have grown up around it. The walkway is covered with weeds and grass. The hinges are are rusty and stained. 
And the nature has taken its course around this, around this little shack. And standing at the door, Jesus is holding the lantern in one hand. And it's giving off light to the whole area. And he's knocking on the door with his other hand. And after Holman Hunt completed the picture, a, a critic came up to him and said, Mr. Hunt, you made a mistake. There's no handle on the door. You missed it. And the artist gently replied, no, no, my friend, I didn't make a mistake for there is a handle, but the handle's on the inside. The handle is on the inside. We don't know specifically what happened to Nicodemus after this, but John gives us a hint in two different locations later on in his gospel In John chapter 7, there's a a pretty heated argument going on in the secrecy in a a Pharisee meeting. And they're arguing over um, if Jesus really was the Messiah. And there was one man who stood up in that midst and said, I stand up for Jesus. I believe in him. And they, they went after him. The Pharisees went after him. And that man was Nicodemus. And then later on in John chapter 19, after Jesus is crucified, there are two men that show up that begin to deal with this body, the body of Jesus. He's taken down from the cross, and then he's taken and he's put in in a cave, tomb, and one of them carried 75 pounds of spices, and they wrapped him and they stuck him in this tomb. And Nicodemus was one of those two men. That's all we know. That's all we know. We don't know what happened in the heart of, of Nick. Only God knows. But what we do know is that what Jesus taught Nicodemus in this exchange was truth. Why do we need the light? The light shows us God loves us. The light saves us from destruction and death. The light brings us immeasurable life. Jesus came not to judge us, but to save us. Jesus says that if we love God and realize he loves us, we will be happy to have our deeds come under his light, to be exposed to him. What does it mean to love the darkness more than light? It simply means that you choose to reject the offer of Jesus, the offer he is holding out to you because you value your life without him more than you value life with him. So tonight or this morning as we we close, I'm just gonna ask you if you would close your eyes just for a few seconds. And I wanna ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and just say, Lord, what, what do you want to show me? What do you want to show me this morning? Speak to us, Lord. What are you saying? If you're here this morning and and you're not living in the light and the life of Jesus, if your posture toward God is, is one that has your back facing him and not your front, then I want you to know that Jesus is shining his light on you. It's not a light of judgment, it's a light of life. He's offering you life, immeasurable life. He's standing at your door with his lantern, knocking in love to offer you that life. He is the light of the world. This would be the greatest Christmas 
of your life if you're here this morning and you have not entrusted in your life to him, if you've not put your faith in him, believed in him. He is risen and Jesus is waiting with open arms. He's inviting you to open the door and invite him in to begin your relationship with him. So I'm gonna close this here in just, in just a minute. And after I pray, I wanna encourage you to, to come forward. There'll be myself and some others that'll be at front. We'd love to talk to you about beginning your relationship with Jesus. We'd love to pray with you. And so I just wanna ask you to be bold, to come forward. Don't let this moment pass. Jesus is shining his light on you. Don't be embarrassed or ashamed. We all need God's help. So Lord, this is amazing, amazing stuff that, that we have. I thank you, God, for moving on John the Apostle to capture this and to write it down and that, that we can sit here and, and know what you said, Jesus, is, is amazing. God, uh, I know that there's so much darkness around us that, that traps us, Lord. Thank you that you've encouraged us, that we can know that you love us, Jesus helps us to recognize that, that you have taken us from, from destruction to eternal life, from light or from darkness to light. And God, I ask that you would help us, Lord, not to be in the camp that, that loves darkness more than light, but that we would follow you. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If any of you have any needs, ah, we would love to pray for you this morning. Don't leave here in need. Come forward if you have anything that you need, just someone to hold your hands and and to put your arm around you and and to, to talk to Jesus. Don't leave this place in need. You are dismissed. Be blessed and shine his light on this world this week. God bless you.